What's up, everybody? Welcome. Wow, the echoing is just unbelievable. This is it's unacceptable. Whoever that was. Uh, what's up, everybody? Welcome into another. It's me. Oh, it's not me. Okay, good. I heard the echo, but. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Sack City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by your boy, the reigning, defending, undisputed, somewhat heavyweight valedictorian of the show, AJ Johnson. Below him, we have my best friend in the whole entire world, Aaron, the Mukesiah Mukes. And below me, we have the smoothest voice in sports casting, Dylan. Dixie Kearns, what's up, everybody? It's a beautiful it's a May, one. 20, May 30th. Yeah, it, it was brought up earlier on in the pre-show, and I was it just popped awesome. in the head. It was. It was. Uh, it's a beautiful May 30th evening here in the city. Episode 35 is about to be underway. We are breaking down the NFC South and their schedules and 2022 outlook. It's the Falcons. It's the Bucks. It's the Saints. It's the Panthers. It's all that and so much more on another episode of a sexy podcast. Dylan, how goes it, buddy? Wow. Thank you, sir. Going to me first. <laughs> I feel special. Yeah. I'm, it's going, man. Final month of school. I'm excited. Uh, Rishi Barron's class. You know, everyone that's wholesale looks forward to that one. And, you know, it's a it's where you show if you got it or not. I think I got it. So uh, excited to go through that final month and uh, get to graduation. So. Um, I'm excited. I'm still a student here, but only for another month. This, this is why I, this is why like I go to Dylan sometimes and I don't go to Dylan sometimes because it's like, you just don't know what answer you're going to get, but it's like, normally like it starts off as like a cookie cutter answer of like, a, you know, I'm doing good guys. You know, I'm here. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm still in school. I've got some classes going on, but you know, I'm, I'm here. Uh, and then he kind of tie he kind of goes like off the rails a little bit and has a good time, but like, he's still that like, Dylan, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Dylan being Dylan. Good, I'm glad. He, good, I'm glad. Uh, yeah, so we're going to get into the NFC South and their schedules in just a few moments. But we have a top story that kind of occurred last week, uh, but we want to talk about it today. Colin Kaepernick last week worked out for the Vegas Raiders, hasn't played since 2016. He had a workout back in 2017 with the Seahawks, but now he's back. He's getting buzzing again. They said he looked good. Lots of positive takeaways from the workout with the Raiders. Aaron, what are your thoughts on him working out? And really, dis- disregard that question. I gotta. I want to get into something much deeper here with this. We've talked about Kaepernick before many of times where it's like, oh, this is a distraction. If he had a good workout and he shows the potential of being a good backup quarterback, should the Raiders sign him because of all the all the distractions there? Does, does him being a good, solid back quarterback outweigh the distractions that he brings to this team? Uh, in a way, yes. Um, look, I don't have a problem with Colin Kaepernick getting an opportunity to play football. And I think that's what the big conversation has been about. It's the blackballing of him not being allowed an opportunity to play the game of football. The biggest thing I have a problem with is okay, he has a good workout, but where's gonna be where's that energy gonna be when we talk about a player that hasn't played the position in six years? Because I remember a conversation last year who somebody didn't play football for a while, and I came on here and defended them and say, Okay, if he deserves an opportunity, give him one. 
and the entire NFL media, the entire all the NFL analysts were outraged because he wasn't successful the first time around in Tim Tebow. And th- again, this goes to a, a conversation that's bigger than just Colin Kaepernick. This man hasn't played football for six years. So if he can come out, have a good workout and a team wants to give him an opportunity, I'm all for that. But I don't want those same individuals that last year were crying about this guy hasn't played in six years. It's a different game. Uh, He doesn't deserve an opportunity. There's other guys that have been working harder to get that opportunity and then not have that same energy towards Colin Kaepernick because we're scared. uh, It's some social injustice movement or he was blackballed. So he, he deserves something more than somebody else. And I have a real issue with the quarterback position being the leader of a franchise and you not playing the game in six or seven years. That's a long time. And let's not forget when he left, um, he was one in 10 as last year, two and six the year before that. And he wasn't very good. So again, we can look at the 12 and four season and say, Hey, he took him to the super bowl. But outside of that, what's his record? His total record as a starting quarterback is 28 and 30. It's, it's not special. He's never done anything special. Um, so I have concerns with him playing after six years. I think when it I think when it comes to the Tebow thing, it was a little different this past time because he was switching positions. And I know that's what a lot of people had an issue with. The fact that there are kids who play tight end all, all their life trying to get to the league and he's taking a spot just switching a position trying to get back to the league. Uh even still, I understand your point there. Um when it comes to the Kaepernick of it all. I, I honestly don't think the distractions are going to last long. If he gets signed, I think the first couple weeks you might have a conversation. But, again, it's been six years. You'll get your answers out of him. I don't think Colin Kaepernick is the type of dude that you're asking every week, when is he going to start? Because I don't think anyone thinks he should be coming in the league those, to be a starting QB. Yeah. I don't think it's those type of distractions, though. I think that there's still people, uh, not not myself, I think there's still people, though, out there that have a problem with what Colin Kaepernick stands for. And I think that's going, that type of problem and distraction is going to linger throughout the season. Now, what I think though, is like looking at like the backup quarterbacks on the Raiders roster right now, traded for Jarrett Stidham. They have Nick Mullins as well. So to me, I don't, I don't know if there's a good enough practice that Colin Kaepernick could have that would make me say, okay, I want to bring him in to be my second or third string quarterback because I do think that a Nick Mullins or Jared Stidham, could not, they're not phenomenal players by any means, but I do think I would rather have them as my backup quarterback than, than a Colin Kaepernick. And they fit that kind of play style too, those other two. Kaepernick's a different kind of a power arm sort of quarterback. I mean, we don't know what he is. We haven't seen him in a little while. But um, to your point a little bit earlier, talking about – that's a, I mean, there's been a lot of bad PR around the Raiders, and maybe this is an attempt to get good PR by bringing him in for a workout or something, but, I mean, there's there's so much going on with that organization. If I was them, I'd honestly step back on the back burner a little bit and try not to have anything around my franchise uh, in any factor of anything. But um, I, I think it's good that he is getting a workout and a shot because he deserves one, and, I mean, this is a chance for him to showcase if he still has it or not. And he, he by the workout, it sounds like he does, so – um, obviously if he's fine with taking a backup role, I know that was a thing in the past where he wants to start, dude, you haven't played in a while. So we got to be all right with a backup role. And then if, if your number gets called, there you go. But, uh, it's good to see him back on the football field and hopefully he gets a shot. I don't, I don't think that I hate these kind of situations because I hate workouts we, because we do this all the time. He's a big, strong, physical guy, throws the ball 
pretty far. So he's accurate in a workout with no pads on and no defense and no cornerbacks. And like every quarterback that comes out of college every year when we rate these guys, oh man, this quarterback had a great workout. This quarterback had a great workout. Guys, even the guys that go undrafted, man, he had a great workout. Like it's, you can't tell whether he can still play football until he's signed. That's the problem. So somebody has to take that leap and say, okay, we're going to allow him to come in put the pads on let's see him in practice every day and see if he's really got it and then that team can say you know what you're going to make our roster or not make our roster I think that needs to happen all this come work out for my team it it does nothing because every workout is going to look the same he's going to be big he's going to be strong he's going to be fast because he's in good shape he's going to have a good arm because he has a good arm but can he read a coverage can he put the ball where it needs to be when there's a defensive pass rush on him those things are things we questioned when he played football now six years removed, how did he get better at that? Because he hasn't had the experience. That's my well, biggest me, question. Let, let me give you let me give you a, a different perspective or a different way of looking at this and a, and a question towards you that I don't think has been asked really many of times before. You just brought up the fact that you, you're right. There is no way of determining whether Colin Kaepernick still has it or not because of just a simple workout because everyone looks good in a workout, and if you don't look good in a workout, well, you really just do suck. What does – what should Colin Kaepernick be doing right now to get him a shot? Do you think he should be trying to actually go into maybe like one of the, the, the semi pro league, like maybe an arena football, not maybe not arena football league, but like a league like the USFL or maybe the Canadian football league, because he's not go. It's going to be hard to get that first contract. I I thought about that. Um, I don't think it would hurt. Like if you go to the USFL and play and say, Hey, look what I did in the USFL. Like that's just added proof that you can play the position. Um, I think for Colin Kaepernick, it's really to, to the point of distraction though. It's, I don't, I think this is only thing teams are wrestling with because you can look at a physical specimen like him and say, I can find a place for him as one of my top three quarterbacks in most, on most teams. And then say, okay, we're going to give you a shot, maybe even as a fourth quarterback in training camp. To me, it's about him having conversations with these organizations saying, hey, look, I'm not here to be a distraction. I I simply want to try to play football. Um, I'm not here to take a knee. I'm not here for a social injustice movement. I'm here to come in, learn. I'm willing to take a backup role. I just want an opportunity to play football. And that's what I'm here for. And I think those conversations have to be had. And I do think Colin Kaepernick's doing that now. I think people are still reluctant because in the past it's been him saying one thing and then doing another, him saying he wants an opportunity, but then not showing up when scouts are there for a workout because of some language in a contract or, you know, some language about how, how things work out. And so it starts to make it about, well, is this about just making a statement and being a martyr and being out there in the public eye, or is it about playing football? Because if you're solely focused on playing football, you will take any workout, You will take any circumstances, take the paycheck and say, Mm. I'm going to take this opportunity and run with it, not be here as a distraction. And again, that might go against what he believes in, but that's fine. You can believe that, but don't come in and say it's just about football if it's really not. All except the one that he rescheduled, I agree with you on, because that language is pretty damning. I mean, it was today's your last day. And if we don't pick you, you don't come back was basically what that language is saying. I wouldn't have done that workout either. 
But uh, sitting here today, and, I, and again, I do, I'm with you. I think he's grown. I think the other thing that matters is how he, these conversations is what is he saying he can offer this team? Like he, if he's not coming in, obviously he can have the competitive mentality, but if he's coming in to try and, you know, mentor whatever he still knows about the game of football and just be a positive light in the locker room, that's one thing. And I do like the point about training camp. Like if, if, I mean, that's what they did with all these other guys who were getting shots. Let them go through training camp. If you can make the roster through that, I mean, that's the best real shot. One, a team will get it looking at Colin Kaepernick, and two, Colin Kaepernick will get to prove it. Because there's nothing that says you have to be on the roster now after training camp. You don't make it through training camp, then it is. We've done our due diligence. You know, maybe it is time for you to go look at a different league, or maybe maybe another team will see enough to sign him just to have him on the roster. I think if a team, it doesn't even have to be the Raiders. I know there was some probably smoke show out there that was saying that other teams were interested after his workout. If there's another team that maybe sees enough in him out of a training camp situation, maybe even one preseason game to pick him up, so be it. If not, I mean, this was the realest shot that he had. If if we can get him through that, I think the conversations will either just fizzle out completely or we'll be here again next season. I would uh, I, I would I would personally take the route of going towards the other other leagues if I was calling Kaepernick just yeah. to, just so okay I, I still have this and I know that there is a uh, a spot opening up in the fan controlled football league after that Jabroni <laughs> took a smoke during after uh, a touchdown that league's a, a joke I would not join that league if I was serious about playing in the NFL I, I, it, I yeah I wouldn't I wouldn't as well um, but good good talk boys good talk to start the show. Uh, we're going to get into our NFC South schedule and breakdown in just a few moments. But AJ, please do the fans a favor. Yeah, you. Oh, yeah, you. You. You are the only one for this job. You feel the rhythm. You feel the rhyme. Finish my line. <laughs> get on up. It's Sex City time. Let's do this, baby. Sex City pod. Your boys at Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. You know the deal. Kenny Baby Hands Pick is showing you where to go. Make sure you look for at Sac City Pod. You hit those likes. You hit those follows. You hit those shares. And most importantly, tell somebody. Word of mouth. It's how we get out there. Tell everybody you know about the Sac City Pod, the best football show on the interwebs. At Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Go over there, check it out. I think I put I think I put up a pretty good one on TikTok today. You guys might enjoy. Let me know what you think after you hit that like, that share, that subscribe, and you tell somebody that your boys are back in town. Sex City Pod, baby. And if you missed the, sh- and if you missed the show, at at some point, whether it's today, tomorrow, when whenever you miss the show. We're available on all podcasting platforms. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. Apple, Spotify, everywhere. We are we're there to do uh, to make up for you missing the show live because really that live is where it's at. But podcasts are great too. Okay, that, that, that's pretty much where it's at. NFC South time here. Age, you're excited for this. You're very, very excited for this. We're not going to the Falcons just yet. But well, this not is you're not going to him. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is where we have to start. They have five primetime games, including the Sunday night game on Christmas Day in Arizona against the Cardinals. They play Baltimore on Thursday night football, Kansas City on Sunday night football. And Aaron, they kick off with the Dallas Cowboys again, uh, this time on Sunday night football. I- I'm going to start with you here first because this game really, I mean, we – we were there together last year watching this game, a very close matchup against the Cowboys for the Bucks ended up coming out on top. What's the storyline for the Bucks this season? And what are your thoughts on that week one rematch 
in Dallas this year. Yeah, can the Bucks bounce back? And I don't mean bounce back. We all know they were in the playoffs, but can they bounce back to Super Bowl form now that Tom Brady has decided not to retire? And I think we all saw this coming once Tom Brady decided to come out of retirement that they were going to then get the necessary pieces to be a contender again. I think they're in a good situation. But last year they went through a lot of ups and downs. Their defense wasn't playing as well as they were Super Bowl year. Um, they they get a they get a kick off the test right away again in Dallas this time in Dallas. Um, and Dallas is going to put up a fight. Dallas is the kind of team they they usually play to the level of their competition. It means the good teams they play tough and end up losing. The bad teams they play tough and sometimes they end up winning. Um, this is a game where Tampa Bay's got to go on the road. Brady's got to see if Gronk is going to be there. Are we going to see a Chris Godwin ready by the start of the season? It doesn't look like he's going to be ready. So a Russell Gage is going to have to be come in and, and fill that role. Obviously, the Antonio Browns are gone. Um, they re-signed Leonard Fournette, but a new piece is on the offensive line. So these are questions that Tampa Bay is still going to have. They're not coming back with the same 22 starters like they were when they began last year. And I think it's going to be important for them to get off to a good start so there's not that that kind of doubt creeping back into the locker room. Because remember, teams like the Rams, teams like uh, potentially the Saints, who has had some success against them, they're not going to be afraid of the Bucs. Like we, we know they're the Bucs and we know they have Tom Brady, but I don't think those teams are afraid of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I think it's important for Tampa to get off to a good start. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm wondering how uh, Todd Bowles is going to carry the torch. Uh, there's a lot from last year's system and the Super Bowl winning year system that's basically still in place. You know, Byron Leftwich is still there as the OC. So I wonder if Todd Bowles, as the head coach, kind of keeps with his with his uh with his specialty you know he leans into the defense uh you know they're missing some guys that they've had that they really appreciate who haven't been signed back yet and then a Dominican Sue uh Jason Pierre Paul uh, to set up that front line so I'm wondering if you know Todd Bowles kind of just allows Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady to basically handle the offense and do what they do together while he obviously makes the head coaching calls but leans more in on the defense to make sure they're settled because if they have another injury riddled season how do they continue to allow this defense to be their one of their strong points on this uh, on this uh, team to keep them heading towards a winning record and a deep playoff run? Um, so my my thought process is how Todd Bowles gets back as a head coach and and carries his torch forward. I want to piggyback off of one of Aaron's points. He talked about that offensive line, and the offensive line is one that is a little bit. I'm a little bit worried here. So my, my storyline here is how does the loss of some of the offensive line affect the team? Obviously, lose Alex Kappa to the Cincinnati Bengals, lose Ali Marpet to retirement. Those are two staple points on that offensive line. You, you, you trade for a Shaq Mason, try to bring him in, and a couple other – Aaron Stinney, another one from uh, Tennessee. I mean, you're just trying to piece together that offensive line with, with an old quarterback and Tom Brady. I know he, he's, he's pretty solid at not getting drilled or getting hurt. But um, it, it would make me worried a little bit there. Um, the offensive line is definitely one area that you look at with this Bucks team and say, man, I don't know if they have it and if that can help them. They got a decent run game, bringing back Leonard Fournette, drafting Rashad White in the third round. But once again, I question that offensive line, and that's really my only thing right now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think is, – is Tampa one of those teams that we're just saying again, like, wait, like what we said with the Packers the other day, it's like – the regular season is what it is. It's just you wait until the playoffs to really judge and, and start planning and thinking about what this Buccaneers team is. Well, I would I would contend that be just because I think Tampa needs home field in that division. Like they can't come in second in that division, right? Because if New Orleans New Orleans, and we'll talk about this when we talk about New Orleans, <laughs> that's that's a good football team. 
that was playing really well last year without a quarterback, right? And they almost got into the playoffs last year, and we know Jameis got hurt. I, I don't think Tampa Bay goes on the road to Green Bay, goes on the road to, to the Rams, goes on the road to New Orleans, and beats those teams. Whereas Green Bay, they don't really have anybody else in that division that I feel can take that big of a leap to overtake them in the division. I do believe New Orleans is that team, and I do believe if Tampa struggles and maybe goes up and down in the regular season and doesn't take hold of that division, that New Orleans will. Um, I, and I'm really, really high on them. So I think it's a little bit different. I don't think they can just say, oh, let's wait till the playoffs. They have too many holes. Um, Dylan mentioned the offensive line. It's, they have holes on the defensive line. Like that they, The secondary was banged up last year. We don't know how they're going to come back. The, the offensive line is about chemistry. They have good players, Tristan Wirfs, Donovan Smith. You know, I mean, it's not like they don't ride Jensen. They got guys, but when you bring in two new pieces, now it's about building that chemistry. And sometimes that can take half a season to get on the same page. And if we're looking at eight weeks into the season and they're four and four, five and three, and they're right there with New Orleans, that end, that could end up being a tight battle in the NFC or the, yeah, the NFC South. So I, I wouldn't say it's just about the playoffs. I would say it's about getting off to a hot start and finding that consistency because they don't want to slip up because um, there's another team that could be coming in that division. I know Dylan laughs at it, but whatever yeah. he thinks doesn't matter. Well, before we go into that though, I, I, Aaron, what you talk about, like the new pieces on, on not just the offensive line side, but the defensive side, they obviously drafted Logan Hall. They also have former first round pick Joe Tryon, who you like this season, right? I do. I love I love him. And I think it's a huge reason why they haven't really pursued JPP. Um, I, I think this guy started to come on. He didn't play a an every down role, but I think he's a, a like a pure pass rusher. He is going to wreak havoc. I think if he reaches his full potential, then he's going to fit in nicely on that defense that Todd Bowles is, is trying to put together. We know about their linebackers and Shaq Barrett, Levante David and Dan White, three of the better linebackers in all of football. Again, it's that it's really the, the upfront. Can Logan Hall come in and make an impact without Indomitian Sue? You got Vita Vea, who's great. Um, William Golston has been kind of up and down, but he's been pretty solid. And then Joe Tryon, right? If they can make that leap and make an impact this year, and then the back end can stay healthy um, and return to their 2020 form, I think you're looking at a defense that is right back to where they need to be. Um, I think it's really about the offense, which is weird to say. Yeah. And Tom Brady, right? Because you have Tom Brady. But that offense is not the same, no matter how you want to look at it. When, when you Chris Godwin's coming back from injury and you have to incorporate pieces like a Russell Gage, we don't know about Gronk yet, and the offensive line is a question mark, it may take some time to get them where they want to be. That, that, weird to say yeah. that. And, and it is. Is, is time ever going to catch up to Tom Brady? Is time – like, that's the thing. Like, like is it, will it eventually. ever – Time's undefeated. Time's undefeated. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, this is this – is this the year? Like, I mean, you look at their schedule. It's not a cakewalk of a schedule. We talk about how they have to play New Orleans twice. That's a great team. They have to play Green Bay, Kansas City. <laughs> look at those first four games. Look at those first four games. That's not easy. That, yeah, that is a tough stretch, a tough first four games. I think I actually have them – I have them two and four. I have, Or I have them two and two to start the season. I, I have them losing two of those games and winning two of those games. I have them losing back-to-back. I have them losing against Dallas and losing against New Orleans before they pick up their first win against Green Bay and Kansas City. Our standings, though, look like this. 13-4 and four from Aaron, 13-4 and four from AJ, 12-5 and five from myself and Dylan. Still the top uh, of the NFC South, uh, according to us. I have them tied with the Saints, who we're just about to get into. But uh, 
Aaron, you give them a slight edge over over the the Saints this year just because of the maybe one one game, not like not because of like necessarily talent, but just a one game difference. I give them the respect of Tom Brady. This is really a respecting to Tom Brady. I'm telling you right now, I believe the New Orleans Saints from a talent perspective, if all things equal, Kamara, Michael Thomas are healthy on the field. The Saints are a more talented football team than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. But I give the edge to Tom Brady finding a way to win certain games, whereas maybe Jameis doesn't get those games done. So, um, again, I do believe it's closer than, than Dylan gave credit for. Um, and we know how much trouble New Orleans causes people at home and during home games and the matchups they've had with Tampa Bay. They've actually played Tampa really, really well. So I, I do give the edge to Tom Brady. That's out of sheer respect. I'm never going to guess again when his career is going to take the decline because it's just a, it's it's stupid to do it. We've done it ever since he was 35 and it's 10 years later and he's still doing it. So I've stopped guessing that. Let's just let it play out. Eventually, time will beat him. Yeah, eventually, eventually. AJ, we'll, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna get into the the Saints schedule here and taking a look at it. And you you had them the Saints at uh, what was your you have them at twelve and five as well, just like Aaron, but thirteen and four for the Bucks. So where's this loss coming from on the Saints schedule that sets them back of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Um, funny enough, it's the second one at Tampa Bay, in my opinion, but, uh, we know, we know how it's been with Tampa Bay versus the saints. You know, once they go into, uh, Louisiana, they go into new Orleans, they can't win there for some reason. It's just been bad. It just hasn't happened. Uh, so I've taken that one. Uh, another loss that I think is going to hurt the saints. I, I have them losing against, um, Philadelphia next to the end of the season. Uh, I, I just feel like that's a pretty good trap area. Philadelphia during the back end of the season, uh, not only will their their defensive pieces be in form, providing that they're healthy, um, at that point in time, we know who Jalen Hurts is going to be and what that offense is going to look like and how they've come apart, how they've come along. Um, and I think that's a very, very good offensive matchup versus that secondary too on both sides of the ball. So uh, I think that's a nice gritty knock it out win of the park if they uh, are both fighting for something very big near the end of the season. I just think that uh, Philadelphia will get the better of them at the end. Uh, but that's the other loss that I thought most some people probably didn't see coming. Yeah, I like I like that pick, point, pointing that out of the week seventeen. You look at week seventeen for the for the the Bucks, it's Carolina, a little bit of a, a layup there, and then for the Saints, it's Philadelphia, not so bit good of a layup there. I have them losing that game as well uh, to Philadelphia. Dylan, what's your storyline heading into the season for the New Orleans Saints? A new era. Sean Payton is bye bye. Um, you know, Dennis Allen is the new head coach here in, in New Orleans, and I think that's a huge factor. Sean Payton, just an offensive mastermind and, and, a, and a solid head coach at winning football games. But there is some uncertainty around this team, whether it's Jameis Winston coming off the ACL. And I know I'm going to go here and you guys are just going to roast the ever-loving shit out of me, but bring it on. Sam Bradford was a 1-1 pick, first round number one overall. He ended up going to uh, – he had towards ACL in 2013, came back in 2014 – he had 19 touchdowns, 14 picks. Both guys, I mean, they've had solid careers, but it seems like they've had a little bit of uncertainty. Then the injury happens. There's one with that. But Alvin Kamara's got his court date coming up on August 1st. You don't know what's going on there. Um, on paper, this team looks pretty good, but there is some uncertainty, like I said. Don't know what Jameis Winston's going to be there, whether it's the injury coming off the ACL. It's a tough schedule in a, in a division that should be formidable to them. 
But once again, I just I question some of the things around there, and then losing Sean Payton is one of the biggest losses of the offseason. Did you really just compare Sam Bradford to Jameis Winston? I did. Where, where, what, what, in what part of the world does they, do they compare? Sam Bradford never threw for 4,000 yards. Jameis Winston did it four times. Jameis Winston led the league in passing yards. Sam Bradford's never done that. Jameis Winston is, is a winner. Sam Bradford's never won anything. Like we can talk about the injury one time where Jameis Winston has been hurt. But Sam Bradford was a walking Band-Aid. Like, they literally, he walked into the stadiums with ace bandages wrapped around his body. He was that fragile. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think this is a a comparing somebody to Jameis Winston. The fact of the matter is, Jameis Winston's biggest question has been about, hey, are you going to stop throwing interceptions? And we saw last year, the beginning of last year, he started to make that stride. He was, what, eight touchdowns, or I'm sorry, 14 touchdowns to three interceptions when he got hurt, and he was five and two. So we saw on a team that relies on the running game first, play action, and make good decisions. And that was without Michael Thomas. That was without Alvin Kamara out of the backfield consistently. And now you add in pieces on the defensive side of the football that's already been better. I think Jameis Winston, this is a prime spot for Jameis Winston. He's matured. And I think that's what people have not yet really wanted to kind of buy into yet is sometimes a young quarterback needs to mature. It took Brett Favre, Mike Holmgren to mature and say, hey, you don't have to force every football. What did he go and do? He went and won a Super Bowl. Sean Payton took Jameis Winston and said, hey, you sit behind Drew Brees. You learn from him. You don't have to force the football down the field all the time. Be careful. Stay within the offense and you will be successful. And he did that last year. Not many people had 14 to three touchdown interception ratio. I don't think you can make the comparison there. And I think the Saints are a really damn good football team. The, the one comparison I was trying to make was essentially quarterbacks coming off of ACLs. Like that, that's, that's the one thing that I was trying to get at there. And Tom I mean, Brady came in off an ACL. Tom Brady's different. You said it literally five minutes ago. You said yeah, Tom, Tom Brady's different. But back then was Tom Brady different? Were we saying that back then when he was still early in his career? No. You've, you've had the track record where you've seen it now. It's fair. But I, I'm, Winston's I'm saying, not a runner. This is a yeah, he's Winston's not a runner. Neither was Sam Bradford. But the, the whole point is he's <laughs> coming off the ACL. Like that's that's still huge. It's a big time injury, um, even at the quarterback position. And that's why I brought up the stats of Sam Bradford, obviously a different quarterback. But still, that's that that was my thought process going into that one. Yeah, and I mean, here's the thing. We know Jameis, uh, you know, he loves to play football. That's what it's about for him is playing football. Uh, and I think this year, it, it's, this is the true test. You know, I, I didn't have a doubt really with him with Sean Payton. Uh, I figured if he played the rest of the season, you might have saw him get to about 28 touchdowns, uh, very close to that 30 he had the last year. And he might have put another two interceptions on. But can Dennis Allen keep him that 30. way? The biggest, I think the biggest def- difference coming into this season is there's a very good chance that he has more weapons. And that, I think, is the difference where Jameis Winston may get a little toss happy. You know, it's harder to just throw the ball down the field when you're hoping Marquez Callaway is going to be the guy when it's Taysom Hill as your tight end running the steam down the, down the field. But when you get a Michael Thomas back, when you add a Chris Olave, uh, when you have Alvin Kamara on your side, with all these weapons, he might get a little toss happy, and that could uh, attribute to more interceptions this year. So can Dennis Allen keep Jameis Winston – I don't want to say chained, but – kind of keep him under wraps, keep him in control uh, to execute the game plan the correct way instead of just playing toss down the field football. I think when you look at this schedule here, 
it's obviously a tough schedule. And Dylan, you have them at at nine and eight. We talk about how important Jameis Winston is on this this year for the Saints, but where do they lose? The, like, what? Where are the losses coming from? Where are your eight losses? Because we have them at twelve and five, so that's that's three losses for all of us that you don't have. So where are those? Where where are your eight losses? So I got them starting the season three and three. I think I think Minnesota gets it up for a game like this. I mean, they they remember going back to the whole Stefan Diggs thing and <laughs> their whole whatever. I mean. They hate the Saints. That's a big rivalry. I think Minnesota takes that one. I got them three and three through week six. They end up going to four and three, five and three, five and four. Head to Pittsburgh. I think that's another loss. Five and five. Um, they can they lose to Los Angeles five and six. They beat San Francisco six and six. Tampa Bay they'll split uh, Monday Night Football. That's a good one. Seven and six. Um, Atlanta eight and six. Cleveland eight and seven. And then I believe they drop either Philly or Carolina to go nine and eight. Look, I'm going to jump in here, Vinny, because I think we're downplaying. And I, I, I think we're downplaying how good New Orleans is at home. And I want you to bring the schedule back up because there's a, there's a pivotal point here. People really didn't notice. Number one, their schedule is easier than Tampa Bay's Tampa Bay got screwed. They're out of conference game. The, the isolated game is Kansas city. That's tough. Um, Whereas, you know, the saints is it look at their first half of that schedule. Weeks one through nine. If we were to point out every tough game, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Cincinnati, Las Vegas, and Baltimore, where are they all at? They're all in New Orleans. They have they have a favorable schedule the first nine games, and they are going to win their home games. We talk about this every year in the NFL. There are certain teams that are really good at home. For years, Seattle would be eight and zero at home. You know, four and two on the road, or four and four on the road. Same thing with New Orleans. They're seven and one, eight and zero at home, and then they're four and four on the on the road. Like this is what these good home NFL football teams do. It's not going to change this year. The Saints are really good at home, but down the stretch they have a lot of road games, and those are the games that AJ pointed out. The Philadelphia's of the world. Um, that's going to be a tough game for them at Cleveland. If Deshaun Watson there, that's going to be a tough game for them. That's when they're going to lose their games. Early in the season, the Saints are going to get off to a hot start with a healthy Jameis. Kamara probably still unclear about whether he's going to be suspended or not. Michael Thomas, hopefully back. Everything's pointing in the direction. Again, I'm not going to assume injury. And Jameis Winston is now set up for success. You can talk about him wanting to force the ball more, but guess what? When Michael Thomas is one-on-one, he's usually open. But now you get Chris Olave over the top, more likely that he's going to be open. And let's just not forget, they just signed Tyron Matthew, have Marcus May, have um, – P.J. Williams and, and these guys who started last year are now backups in their secondary. Um, it, it's Their defense is loaded. Their offense is lo- loaded on talent. Their offensive line is good. They drafted Trevor Penning to replace Teron Armstead. I don't see a weakness on this Saints team if healthy. Again, it's all predicated on healthy. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one last point, and then you can bring us back to four box. This isn't about Jameis Winston needing to follow Dennis Allen. Joe Lombardi's still there. Dennis Allen's going to take care of the defense. Joe Lombardi is running that offense, and he has got Jameis Winston now for his third year, and everything's going to be the exact same way as when Sean Payton left. So I don't see any change there. I think you brought it up perfectly. It's the, the weapons, too, that this team has. I mean, look at the the additions that they brought in. Jarvis Landry is a lot. As much as you hate Chris Olave, he's still a very talented wide receiver, and now he's not even going to have to be their wide receiver, too. He could be their wide receiver, three, on that team still be great along with Michael Thomas, whichever Michael Thomas ends up coming back. I think this team though is it's special. It's a special team. 
You look at the final standings for this here. We all have them except for Dylan at 12 and 5. Hello, Discover here to explain our cash back match. Here's how it works. We give you cash back for using your Discover card on the things you were going to buy anyway. Then we match that cash back in your first year. And that's why we call it Cashback Match. Now to recap and say cash back one more time. We match all the cash back you've earned at the end of your first year automatically. Discover. Exceptionally common sense. Learn more at discover.com slash match. Limitations apply. Oh, goodbye, bench press. Adios, squat rack. Fare thee well, kettlebell. Hey, Kellen, need a spot? No, Jake from State Farm. I'm just saying goodbye to my pricey gym membership. What? Don't give up what you love. State Farm has options like insuring your home and ride with great rates on both. Nice. Hey, can I buy you a protein shake or a granola bar? Or... For surprisingly great rates, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Call or go to statefarm.com for a quote today. We move on, though, to the Carolina Panthers, and their schedule looks like this with just... Well, oh, no, not the Panthers. We're go- I skipped the Falcons. I'm so sorry, AJ. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. It is what it is. The Falcons. I get it. The- Everybody's skipping the Falcons. Yeah, they, well, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see the about Falcons that. Uh, the Falcons. So they have one primetime game against the, the Panthers on Thursday night football. That's it. That's all they got. And their schedule is very tough. Aaron, we had them ranked as the second worst team in the league uh, in our power rankings. So what's the storyline heading into this season for the Falcons? <laughs> the biggest storyline for the Falcons is how much I get to laugh at AJ all year. Like, it, this is just about growth. It's, it's really all it is. It's just about growth. I don't expect much from the Falcons. And I know, I will admit, I said this last year too, and they exceeded my expectations. Um, the fact of the matter is, is they don't have very much talent. I mean, that's really what it boils down to. And then even at the quarterback position, we're hoping that a Marcus Mariota can come in and play decent football. And he's done it as a backup, but we have yet to see it consistently as a starter. They're just a void of talent. And the fact, and we can't, I can't find wins on their schedule. Like I tried, I tried to be nice, but I'm not picking them against New Orleans. I'm not picking them against the Rams, maybe Seattle. I'm not taking them against these, these eight and eight, nine and seven football teams that, um, aren't great, but they have talent on their team. And maybe they are just a quarterback away. Those teams are, are have talent everywhere. Atlanta lacks it at every position. They are, you're looking like, okay, they have no offensive line. They need help there. Um, their running game is a 31 year old or 30 year old Cordero Patterson, who wasn't a wide traditional receiver. running back, a really a wide receiver. Who's their backup. A, a Damian Williams. I think he went there. Maybe um, they drafted a guy who I can't even remember who they drafted at this point. The wide receivers, your Calvin Ridley's gone. Now you're Kyle Pitts, and then you're hoping Drake London can come in and do something. Your offensive line, your defensive line is decent. Linebackers, they got about 300 of them. They're good. And then you got A.J. Terrell in the back end, but where's everybody else? Does Casey Hayward get back to where he was at? There's just no talent. And in the NFL, you need talent. Yeah, they have a lot of uh, they don't have a lot of talent and they don't have a lot of talent at the quarterback position either. Um, And that's where I'm going with Marcus Mariota. What does he have? What does Marcus Mariota have? I tell you, as a Jags fan in the AFC South for a long time, whenever I saw the Titans on the schedule, it's like, hey, we can't score. But whenever we're playing the Titans, we got a shot because neither can Marcus Mariota. I mean, I I love facing that guy. I, I got more scared when Blaine Gabbard played for them. 
Um, so Marcus Mariota was someone I did not fear. Now he did go to Vegas and worked under Gruden for a little bit and worked under uh, uh, B-Mafia uh, towards the end of that career, wherever that ended up. And then he ended up going to um, Atlanta. So this is his shot. He's under Arthur Smith. We'll see what he can do there. But I, I question what this guy has to offer. I mean, he's getting another shot to play the quarterback position. He's getting a chance to be that starter. And I mean, that, that's, that's really the way you want to go here is, uh, is, is what, what he can bring. And I don't think he can bring hardly anything to that football team. He's going to have a shitty year, the worst quarterback in the league. Vinny, you're so right about these young kids just saying things to stay it. Just drafting. The it's worst a little quarterback much. in the league. Just the, the worst quarterback in the league. Like, Easily. where does your basis come from Marcus Mariota He's being throwing the worst to nobody. quarterback in the league? AJ He's throwing Johnson. to nobody. He's throwing to nobody. Okay. Mm-mm. So, first off, I don't know if you know, but there's a pretty good tight end slash wide receiver who we mentioned, Kyle Pitts. That's a that's a weapon right there. Number two, he is connected with somebody who he spent a lot of time playing football with in Las Vegas and Brian Edwards. They were playing together a lot on the practice squad, second team defense or offense and things of that nature. He's back with Arthur Smith, who has a lot of faith in him, who knows how to use him. We've always talked about how good he's been when he was backing up a Derek Carr. We're not saying he came in and he could take over the Raiders. I'm I, I didn't even want to come in here and just defend Marcus Mariota like that, but the worst quarterback in the league is a little far. Cool. All right. The running back you were talking about uh, was Tyler Algier, who was a very good running back in college. We don't know what he's done, what he's going to do in the NFL. I think he's got a really good shot. And we can talk about Cordero Patterson being 31 and a Swiss Army knife, but that wasn't a problem last year when he was the offense. I will not say anything about the offensive line. Yeah, we need a lot of help. I I don't think that this exactly. team is a world beater by any facts of the, any stand of the imagination, but I definitely don't think they're a two and fifteen team. I think there's a lot more talent on here for the scheme that they are using for what Arthur Smith likes to do on offense with big, strong, physical, and fast guys. You look at this wide receiver room. We're playing basketball. Every single person can be a red zone threat. Our, our smallest receiver is six three. So when you put a cornerback up who's five eight five nine, I'm taking that battle. I don't think we're going to be division winners, but I don't think we're going to be 2 and 15 either. I think they're going to surprise a lot of people just like they did last year when they didn't have much talent and we're going to lose the we're going to lose the division. Go ahead, Chuckles. What you got, Chuckles? He said division winner. <laughs> said they wouldn't Brady, be. With Tom Brady in that division, they won't be division winners. That's for damn sure. Is that a bold take? Can I say that with your guys' consent? I mean, you you look at this Marcus Mariota you wonder where he's going to be bad. You did, you you avoided the offensive line. You're like, yeah, we know that's bad. You, you just threw that. You there, yeah, we'll say, yeah. Put this to the side. You got basketball players playing wide receiver. Well, good because they're playing football. That's why Marcus Mariota <laughs> is not going to be a damn good quarterback. He's going to be the worst in the league. His run game is questionable. I mean, they got seven running backs. You bring in McWeapon. Uh, you bring in a couple other pieces on that. You draft Algier. I get that. You have a wide receiver playing running back. You got all these nice things. Kyle Pitts is a wide receiver playing tight end. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They have no clue what the hell they're doing in Atlanta, and they're giving Marcus Mariota a shot. And I I, I applaud them for that. You know why? Because he's going to shit a brick this year, and they can get who they want next year because maybe Ritter's not it either. You're incorrect, wait, wait, honestly. Wait, so my wait, actual storyline, hold on. My actual storyline, though, before you started spewing all that bull out of your mouth, my actual storyline was how long this QB battle is going to go because I actually do think Desmond Ritter is going to probably overtake uh, Mariota at some point in time. But still, to say the worst QB in the league was a little too far. 
there, there's a stretch there. Dylan did make a, a statement that was a little too far. Marcus Mariota is not the worst quarterback in football. He's actually had over a 500 record. The last three years he was a starter. He was uh, 24 and 19 as a starter. Wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great by any of the stretch of imagination. The funny part for me was when AJ said they got a bunch of red zone threats because they're all 6'3", 6'4". Uh, newsflash, they're not going to be in the red zone, so it won't yeah. matter. <laughs> okay. They'll get sacked on third down. That's cool. I'll sit back and just... Dylan. Watch Dylan, real quick, real quick, Dylan, just to make Falcons fans mad, because <laughs> you know we're gonna get the you're gonna get the hate. You are going to get shat on in the in the YouTube comments um, by all ten Atlanta it, Falcons fans. Rise oh up. my goodness, the disrespect! <laughs> well, um, Lord of mercy. <laughs> they're all Rise AJ's burner. Lord. They're all AJ's burner accounts. <laughs> <laughs> what is, J. A, what is Johnson, a burner account? J. A. Watson. <laughs> J. A. Watson. <laughs> uh, Dylan, what? Juan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> what are your give me your top your like five worst quarterbacks in this league like from top to bottom like in order we're, we're, we're talking we're talking presumable starters for this year right not yeah, presumable i'm saying starting football quarterbacks all yeah 32. that's what i mean yeah this guy's yeah. buried at 32 Okay. This guy's give buried. Me your okay. five. So, so Drew Locke or Geno Smith is better than Marcus Mariota. I will take I will take both over Marcus Mariota. Drew Locke, you're okay. out Drew of your Locke damn mind. Better. That is re damn ridiculous. If if Why? anything, it's, it's it's Sam Darnold competing with him. Darnold's at 31. Um okay. I think Drew Locke's 30. Okay. Mariota's still buried at 32. Um so this is where this is where I, I, it doesn't even matter. The fact that we're in the having that conversation says what we needed to say. Like if you're arguing whether he's the 32nd versus the 29th or the 30th, guess what? And then you have a team with no talent outside of a Kyle Pitts that's proven talent and an older Cordero Patterson. That's a problem. So I don't think it's about whether you're 32 or number 30. I would ask AJ the question, what quarterbacks is Marcus Mariota better than? That gives you hope because that's the problem is there's really no hope. Okay, you want to say he's better than Drew Locke. Sure, that's subjective. Wh who's he better than? 29, Justin Fields, 28, Davis Mills. There's my five. There you go. Thank you. I'd take Marcus Mariota over everybody you listed. That's I'm insane, AJ. I'm not <laughs> you would not take Marcus Mariota right now over Justin Fields. No, you're right. Or okay, Davis, Davis Mills. Mills not, yes, I would. I would take him Davis, Davis Mills. His rookie year had a better year than Marcus Mariota's ever had. <laughs> <laughs> Ever? And, and he was a four-year starter. Like, I, okay. As as I stated in the first place, I am not saying that Marcus Mariota is coming in and taking this team to new heights. But I am saying I would definitely take him over a Drew Lock. I would definitely take him over if Geno Smith starts. I would absolutely take him over Davis Mills still, based on the fact that he's a veteran in the league, and that's what they need at this point in time in Atlanta. Going going with. Going with the Davis Mills doesn't help anything. Davis Mills is there because there's no need to go anywhere else in Houston, and they lucked okay, into picking him fair. up in the fourth round. I guess, okay, so I will ask you this. Where, what, what was that Falcons record last year? Seven, seven to ten. And we they had Matt Ryan, who's a future Hall of Famer. Yeah. yeah. And we would arguably, arguably, most of us would say they probably overachieved a little bit, just a little bit, I mean, based a on lot. their talent level. So they got <laughs> – significantly worse at that position and not significantly better at any other position outside and really not anywhere because Calvin Ridley's gone. So you replace them with a rookie and Drake London. Where does this all of a sudden go from, Oh, now they can still be a tough team and do what we need them to do. Like 
They went from seven, they won seven games with a Hall of Famer at quarterback. Now you bring in a quarterback that hasn't been a starter in a number of years and hasn't been very good when he was a starter. So why is it inconceivable that they win two or three games? Uh, I think this team is much more competitive than you guys are giving credit for. And I do think they have more talent than you're giving them credit for. They went out so and got a decent win? amount of pieces, bro. What? Where's where the, the wins? You, yeah, you, we all so have Matt. I, the, here, you can have the, you guys can have the first laugh. Uh, you guys can have the first laugh, but uh, I have them taking the week one against New Orleans. <laughs> They're going to lose against New Orleans later in the season. It's a division game. Laugh all you want. Anytime you talk about it, they play They play these teams up. Uh, so I have them I have them beating Atlanta in week one. Uh, I have them uh, beating Seattle in week three. I have them beating Carolina in week eight. I have them beating Chicago and Washington, and then they lose the rest of their games after that. All winnable games, all games that they're going to be competitive. But, in. Steve, that's the – so I guess close. this is – again, this is what this is what I always tell you guys. You pick these games against teams that you feel are also bad, but look at those rosters and look at Atlanta's roster, and they aren't close. Like, it's not close. So when you choose them to – when you pick them to beat those what teams – What does Chicago have that's get, going to stop – what does Chicago not, have? Again, Chicago – well, wait, no, you're right. Chicago is the one – way. I'll tell you, Chicago and Carolina are the two wins that I have on Atlanta's schedule. And just so just so we're clear, AJ, you you did this. The Lions fans did the same thing. In the last eight nine times that you guys have played the New Orleans Saints, you won twice. You won twice. Now in the ten, we'll play. We'll win. And three. hey, and let me tell you something else. Both of those times were actually you know on the road in New Orleans. So to to say that oh well, we always get them. We you, you don't always get them. I said we always play them tough. And we, we play them tough, and it's a divisional game that you can have for a split. You yourself even I said agree. I agree. I agree. I'm, yeah. I'm not saying that they can't beat New Orleans. Well, you know what I'm saying is <laughs> when we come on here and we say these things, we have to be clear that they are a bad football team. Picking them in that. any game, picking them in any game is hard to do, no matter what. <laughs> Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, Carolina, anytime we pick those teams to win a game, it's a struggle because they're not good football teams. They don't have talent. So that's all we're saying by by saying they're 2 and 15, it's saying hey, this team is not a very good football team. If they go on to win 5 games, guess who they are? They're the Texans of last year. Congratulations. They're still a bad football team. I but think, I can't pick I, them 5 I, times. Did you pick the Texans to win 5 games last year? Yeah, huh? Did you pick the Texans to win five I, games? I honestly, year? I probably not. did because of Matt Ryan and Calvin Ridley and my Falcons. No, 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 no. The Texans. Oh, the Texans. no, no, not at all. I could see why no. you would do it with Atlanta last year because they did have Matt Ryan. Yeah. I'm saying it's it's hard yeah. to pick those teams for that many wins. Right. It's the same reason why I only had Detroit winning, but three or four games. And again, year. and and lastly, lastly, I again, I am not thinking this team is going to be fantastic. I'm not thinking that they are going to shock the world and win 10 games. I'll be very, very happy if somehow that does happen. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. I But I do think shock I am being very realistic five. in finding five wins for them. I think that's very <laughs> realistic. Basically, he's saying he stretched all the way down in his pockets, pulling out the lint, trying to find each five wins, and he picked every game they could possibly win and, and gave them, which is fine. Let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question real quick. Let me ask you this question real quick because your storyline, in which we kind of brushed over because you had to really just defend yourself here, is more what the Falcons ended up being. Um, you had how long does this quarterback battle go on? So at what point of the season do you see Dave Desmond Ritter coming in and starting? If he does at all. He will. I don't, I, I don't know why you're laughing, Dylan. I really don't. Three I, damn I, I've, 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 I've followed. <laughs> I've followed. 
Uh, <laughs> I follow this off-season story. I honestly didn't. All I heard was thumb. I'm not even really. You said kidding. week three jammed thumb. <laughs> you know it's true. I don't. I, I don't know where you're getting that from. I don't, Mario, I don't recall. Tab? That's how Tab. Answer the question. Answer the question here. I just because yeah. I want to know oh. because with your with your five wins, maybe Desmond Ritter comes in and sparks something. And they do pull yeah, so, off more upsets with this. Been, I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't understand the I don't understand the Desmond Ritter hate either. It's I'm not that. Confused. It's not that. It's, 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 it's so mind-boggling when you guys say things like that. And I know AJ's want to answer the question, but it's if any, when you say things like that, do you realize we just had Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Mac Jones, Zach Wilson? Somebody's echoing and it's getting on my nerves. Come yeah, in I last year as well. top picks, as top picks, and they couldn't win any football games. And Desmond Ritter, the third round Desmond Ritter is going to come in with a team that has no talent. Somebody's echoing like crazy. It's Dylan, Dylan, your mic isn't hooked up Dylan. to your actual microphone. It's got to be Dylan. Dylan and, just and the team with no talent, out. team is going to come in with no talent and going to spark them. It just it's 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 insane. It's insane. Desmond Ritter can be a good quarterback, and I'm not saying he can't. I'm saying to say he's going to come in and spark him and lead him to some wins, like it just doesn't make sense. A and team I'm like that. Here and there. I'm not, I'm not make, saying. Well, he did only had five. Davis wins. Mills would do that either. He sparked him and gave him four wins. So that's no, where that's like, 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 like you just said. But like you just said, we're talking about a bad football team. His spark doesn't mean ten that, wins. His spark that's my point. Just, it's the five. That's just saying. That's, for, that's if, my if, point. If, if Marcus Mariota can come in and win against Seattle and win against Carolina, that's two wins. Then he could come. The Desmond Ritter comes in after they get smoked and shit pumped by Los Angeles. Comes in on Thursday night, plays Desmond Ritter on at, at, at Carolina, wins wins against Chicago. That's two more wins. That's four wins for AJ, and then upsets somebody. I actually had a <laughs> good luck. Camp- I actually have Atlanta beating Tampa right now at the end of the season, but looking at it now, I don't like Come it on, uh, because at, towards the end of the season, I just always, I remember last year, Atlanta played Tampa really hard at the end of the season, obviously with Matt Ryan, different team. I get it. Was that the but, close game that ended up, they ended up losing by 25? Yes. <laughs> I'm just wondering. That game. Antonio Brown. That game. But, but what I'm saying is I, I was just trying time. to get like a layout of maybe Desmond Ritter comes in and, and finds some wins. Cause that's what, because as we're our job is also to talk to more than just the fans, the AJ fan, the fans of Atlanta and what they want to probably hear about is Desmond Ritter. So I'm just trying to get an idea of where Desmond Ritter it's about comes a in. spark. I don't think it's about a spark. Like if this is it's about not, when do you think Desmond about, Ritter surplants yes. Marcus Mariota? Yes, it's, it's about it's just about Desmond Ritter at this point. And if you're a Falcons fan, when does that come into play? Throw the schedule up one more time. I'll tell you where I think Ritter goes in. It, 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 it checks out. You mentioned Week 10 Carolina. I'd say wait a little bit longer. You, you get bent over by Los Angeles. Here you go to Carolina, right? Don't play him here. Give him all the time in the world to prepare for his first NFL start against Chicago because you get that longer week after a Thursday night. That's where that's I think he idea. could go in if it's not by injury. I think that's the yeah, spot, that's too. Idea. You have yeah. to do it before. I didn't hate the Carolina role because you got to do it before that final stretch. Because that yeah. final stretch is brutal. You're not starting him. If you haven't put him in by that week, I think it was like 13 or 14 game. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm letting him sit the entire year and yeah. and and then coming into next year if that's your guy. Because that yeah. that, that yeah. second half of that schedule is brutal at the bottom. 
Yeah. Yep. And, and I, I've got to be, I'm pretty sure Desmond Ritter is the guy. The like from everything I'm seeing and hearing, I've I've watched a couple different Terry Fontenot uh, interviews on PFT. Mm-hmm. Like what he's been doing in training camp and the way he's already taken a hold of that team has it been be. lauded on by everybody. Dylan, shake your damn head all you want, bro. You don't know. You're Jack. Dylan, you're Dylan, Dylan, Dylan. He's man. saying Dylan. He's saying he's <laughs> the guy as far as he's the direction they're yes. going in the future. Not yes. saying that he's going to be some great quarterback. He's saying that's the direction they're going. They're going to give him the opportunity to be the next guy. The third round quarterback. I mean, we get the league is QB happy, and everybody wants these QBs to go in the first round. And if they don't, they have to be trash. But that's just not facts. Like a third round pick, we're talking about a second night draft pick in the top three rounds. That is very serious draft stock. Like you don't just pick that anyways and go hope for the best. Like they did their homework on him, and out of the quarterbacks that came in this year, he's got the most experience. He's got the he's got the best resume, in my opinion, as well. So that just went against your Davis Mills argument. 2 and 15, 5 and 12, 2 and 15, 3 and 14 as the Atlanta Falcons. We are moving on to the Carolina Panthers and their schedule. Obviously, the Thursday night football game we just talked about with the Atlanta Falcons in week 10. Other than that, pretty tough schedule all around for the Carolina Panthers, who we don't know if it's going to be Sam Darnold. We don't know if it's going to be who do they bring in? What was the Matt Corral? We don't know if it's going to be Matt Corral or Sam Darnold. We don't know how long. We don't know if the hell, yeah, maybe Baker Mayfield gets traded in here. AJ, I'm sure you're just dying to talk about some other team other than the Atlanta Falcons right now <laughs> because that was the three-on-one, well, two-on-one. I kind of just watched from a side uh, beatdown of the of the Atlanta Falcons. What's the storyline heading into the 2022 season for the Carolina Panthers? Can Christian McCaffrey get a full campaign? Can he play at least 90% of the games? Because as we saw last season, Despite what we thought Sam Darnold might come in and do, despite DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson being decent receivers last year, this team goes as CMC goes. And once he got hurt, they no longer had they no longer had a plan because the run game was non-existent. And at that point, when every team knows that it's Sam Darnold having to throw the ball for his life, he sees ghosts. So if if Christian McCaffrey one can't get a full season, what's their plan to keep this moving? And second, is Christian McCaffrey done in Carolina if he's injured again? I mean, I wouldn't be shocked to say the answer is probably yes. Yeah, this team, I think how much can the quarterback, how much is the quarterback holding back this team? Um, that, that's that's what I look for here. I mean, we talked about the whole Russell Wilson rumors, Deshaun Watson rumors a little bit ago. Um, not a little bit ago. I guess it was early in the offseason before players were moved. And, and they said, look, you bring in a quarterback like that, this team is a potential 12-win team with a retirement of Tom Brady at that time. We said they're a, a division winner. Now everybody's like, man, the Panthers, that's one of those games you look at your, on your schedule when you're going through everybody's schedules and picking out wins. Oh, there's a win. You, you look at Carolina, there's a win. So now it's like, how much does the quarterback position hold back this team? It's huge. It's the biggest glaring hole. They have weapons on the outside. Robbie Anderson's of the world. Uh, DJ Moore, you have Christian McCaffrey back. Um, The defense is very young, very talented. David Tepper's a very aggressive owner. Uh, GMs are very aggressive there, too. So, I mean, quarterback, I still think that there's a move left for Carolina to make at that position because, I mean, this team's talented enough to where they could win football games if they get someone in there. I, Dylan, you brought it up with the 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 fact that like you look at the schedule and you look at other schedules like okay there's Carolina there's a win for someone for somebody else 
I talked about it before the show, and Aaron laughed at me because I do have a hard time giving teams losses and wins. I have them at 2-15, and 15 and I felt that that was disrespectful for a Carolina Panthers team. I really like their defense a lot. I think the Carolina Panthers have a, a, a pot, pot, potentially a top-10 defense in the NFL with that pass rush. You get J.C. Horn, a healthy J.C. Horn back. They have a very a very good defense. But I I have them at 2-15, and 15 and I was trying – to find wins. Aaron, you have them at five and 12. Where are your five wins coming from for the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, I, I also think that the Carolina Panthers are a very talented football team and I have them beating Cleveland. I have them beating Atlanta. I have them beating Denver, Seattle, and Detroit, but I'm going to tell you this, and this is might go against everything that I, the Mucosia believes in. But if, if Carolina gets Baker Mayfield, they'll probably win eight or nine games. They'll probably be in the hunt for a wild card. That's how good I think the roster is in Carolina, um, how, but how unsure I am at the quarterback position. And I like Sam Darnold talent-wise, but something there's a disconnect there. Like that talent is not translating to the NFL for whatever reason. And I don't know if it's just needing the right coach. It's not working. And I did, I did advocate for him. I really do like what he has. But I've seen Baker Mayfield at least be tough, at least – can rely on a running game, can run some play action. And if he has weapons, he can make some plays. I think Baker Mayfield, again, not a Baker Mayfield guy. Everybody knows this. I think if Baker Mayfield is on Carolina, I think they can win eight or nine games. I I, I, I truly believe that. Where are those be? Where are those um, be, those eight or nine games? New give, York. Give I think they could beat New. I think they could beat New York. I still would have them splitting with Atlanta just because, again, it's a division game. I think they can beat Arizona. Um, early in the season with no DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. Um, and then probably another, and then again, I would probably take some upset win, like at home against Pittsburgh by yeah. when Kenny Pickett's playing or something like that um, as a young quarterback. <laughs> um, just again, for being a young quarterback, it's hard to come in and win games. So um, I think they could steal, steal another game, and I think they could be looking at an opportunity to get in the wild card. It wasn't a fluke last year when they started 3-0. and it really yeah. wasn't. They were playing good defense. Christian McCaffrey was all over the field. And Sam Darnold was playing well enough and not turning the ball over. It's I, I, it's I, that part of it, right? I think that with with Baker Mayfield too, and we've been on the we've been known on the show many of times, and even many of shows other than us, dogging Baker Mayfield for the type of quarterback he is and his his poor play and not being able to get his team over the hump. But I think Carolina has that talent to be able to say, okay, Baker Mayfield comes in and definitely gets them to eight win an eight-win season because he gives them, and you can make fun of me for this, he gives them that spark. He gives that offense a little bit more of a drive because with Sam Darnold, I don't, I don't know Sam Darnold personally. I don't know. I, th- I thought he was going to be a top-10 quarterback last year, and I fell flat on my face in that prediction. I don't think Sam Darnold gets the offense going, gets the offense pumped up, gets the offense fired up. I think Baker Mayfield does, and I think that does is a difference. For, for it's still team. predicated on CMC, though. It, it, no matter what, we talk about health. CMC is that offense. Like, he, everything goes when he's right. Um, he has to stay healthy. And, again, just reports. He's I guess he's changed entire training regimen. He Somebody, I don't know if he contacted somebody from the NBA, I think. I think it was LeBron's guy or something about working out and trying to keep his body right um, in the offseason. And they not they already said they're not playing him in the preseason. So they're making a concerted effort to make sure that he's healthy for 16 games. And before the last two years, he had played three straight years, all 16 games. So, but we know running backs, they, they decline fast, um, but he has to stay healthy. And if he does yeah. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, they still Terrace Marshall. Like they drafted last year. They, they have weapons. Um, can CMC stay healthy and can they get good quarterback play? And I think if Baker was there, 
I, I really do think they could get it. They're second in the division if he's there too. I'm not going to go that far because the Saints are a much better football team. But well, I'm, I'm a Baker lover, but we haven't. We know, that. but you're also, you know. And you know, and and you probably, we, probably we, we probably won't. <laughs> hey, we probably won't get to your Baker love because, well, Baker's not a starting quarterback in the NFL right now. He's, he's better than Mariota. That's a true story. Actually, that I, I agree with. We have the Panthers at five and twelve. AJ had the Panthers five and twelve. Dylan six and eleven, and me at two and fifteen. And I, I, I do feel disrespectful. I apologize for nothing, though. Come at me, Panthers fans. Bucks lead this division. Saints come in second, and then the Falcons are in last, and the Panthers are in third. That's kind of how this works. That is our NFC South breakdown. We'll be back again live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at 8 p.m. Eastern time, breaking down the AFC East on Wednesday night. AJ, please. We have a lot of people watching right now. We have a lot of viewers in the live chat. A lot of viewers. Chat's buzzing. We appreciate everyone there. Tell them where they can follow us at. Right here on YouTube at Sac City Pod. And if that's not enough for you, and I know it's not because you love us oh so very much, head on over to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Sac City Pod. Make sure you hit that like, that thumbs up, that share, that arrow share, that box with the arrow pointing up to share, the download button, the wherever you listen to the podcast button, all at Sac City Pod. Go ahead, hit those loves. We appreciate the follows on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Just want to wish everybody a very, very happy Memorial Day and thank all those who uh, laid their lives down for this wonderful country. I appreciate it. We appreciate it from the bottoms of our hearts. If you're losing a loved one due to the veterans and due to being Memorial Day, uh, our hearts are with you as well. Remember them in positivity. Shout out and to that's a minus. I, I saw it. I, I like as soon as I was like, shut up. Uh, but no, shout out, shout out to the families, all the families as well. If you have loved ones overseas and everything, man, it's wild times, wild times. We appreciate yeah. everybody. Hey, no, no, I'm ending this. How are you feeling and, about the Rangers right now? Yeah, we're not going to talk about this. Uh, like, like Aaron has said in his, his post before, everybody love everybody. Okay. That's the way we need it to be right now. Everybody love everybody for your boy, AJ Johnson. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, and for old Dixie Kearns down there, I am me. We will see you Wednesday. I won't. It's officially my last show. Peace out. Bye. This summer, enjoy a Plymouth gin and tonic. Just add tonic, ice, and a slice of orange for the perfect cocktail every time. Plymouth Gin is distilled using a blend of seven hand-selected botanicals, including juniper berry, coriander seed, and citrus peel. Since 1793, Plymouth Gin has been making gin in England's oldest working gin distillery using copper pot stills, always staying true to Plymouth's original recipe. This is what makes Plymouth Gin sought after across the world. This summer, enjoy a Plymouth Gin and Tonic. Just add tonic, ice and a slice of orange for the perfect cocktail every time. Plymouth Gin is distilled using a blend of seven hand-selected botanicals, including juniper berry, coriander seed and citrus peel. Since 1793, Plymouth Gin has been making gin in England's oldest working gin distillery using copper pot stills, always staying true to Plymouth's original recipe. This is what makes Plymouth Gin sought after across the world.
Nom, 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 nom. 